millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most American podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish, this is the show where we ask you what's your story and what does it say about you. I'm George DeMorales and with us today we have comedian and writer for several things, Mr. Luke Leonard. How you doing Luke? Hello, I'm good, how are you? I am also good. Good. Okay. Alright, done. We're, we're done? <laughs> Solved it, okay, that's it. Cool. That was a really short one. Thanks actually. for having me. Yeah. That's okay, I'll see you later. <laughs> It's always fun seeing the energy switch from like just before you start the podcast. And some people are like, oh. what normally happens? Do they get very serious? Some people get a bit like, oh, okay, now we're going to be doing a podcast. So I better. Welcome to the podcast. I am the podcast guest. Yeah, yeah that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Which you then loosens up eventually. NPR on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Put the sound effects in. <laughs> so a bit about you, I guess. Uh, you, yes, you've been doing comedy now. How many years have you been in comedy now? Uh, too many. I had like too many for my skill level. Um, I had, I think it was like my eighth comedy birthday, like a month ago or something. I All think, right. I think, I don't know. It popped up as you know, like Facebook memories. It was like oh, I just did my first set and I didn't wet my pants. It was. Oh, you know. right. that's always fun. Yeah, and you're like, and I'm still looking for gigs. <laughs> yeah, I'm not actually at the moment. I'm just like, nah, fuck it. Taking some time off. But does that mean like uh, you don't write or do, do you still do any of that or you kind of just... I actually the, I actually in late 2019, like October when the comedy festival Rego was on, mm. I was like, am I doing a show next year? And I was like, oh, I could do a show. And then I was like, ah, fuck it. I was like, I, I was like, I got a little jaded about the financials of it. The, yeah. um, you know, I liken comedy fest to being... Uh, you're like a little artisanal jeweler. Well, I don't know. Like, it depends. Like, if it depends what sort of stuff you're doing, but the sort of stuff I'm doing is kind of a bit uh, arty and, and like story driven. It's not like jokes about trams and shit. Yeah. Um, although there is the, the, some of those too. There's tram stop jokes. But the. Um, <laughs> Integrity <laughs> went out the window so quickly. I just remembered. No, but it was about true love. It was about. It, it was, was actually about true love. Yeah, 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 yeah. but it was set. There was a. Just, what tram joke isn't about well, true love? Well, really? no, it was. It's a joke about. I'll tell you the joke roughly. It was about. Uh, I was trying to talk about true love, and I was saying I'm not talking about like tram stop love, where you're standing there and you're just like waiting for a tram, and then you just see someone, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna marry you. You're just like completely smitten with a stranger and then yeah. your tram comes and you get on it and go about your day. <laughs> like nothing ever happens. There's those, those fleeting, you know. Those like, fleeting moments. Where the, wait, if that's not know, love, then I've never the experienced clouds love. clouds open <laughs> and it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, on yeah. some beautiful stranger mm. on the other side of the road at the other tram stop. Yeah. And then your tram comes and you get on the 86 and there's a bum flinging something around. Or like, it's, <laughs> uh, anyway. Like that's where you got polite. <laughs> but, but the... 
Yeah, but you're saying you're that, that kind differs of, to real I'm doing love. kind of niche stuff, like as festival shows goes, and it's like being an, a, like a little artisanal jeweler, like making your little handcrafted wares and you've got a little folding out table. And the comedy fest is like you're that guy and you're only allowed to set up your little folding table outside like Pandora and Tiffany. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, but we're bringing these big names of jewellery to bring customers to you. It's like they spent all their money on little charms in Pandora. <laughs> yeah. They're not, you know. That's actually not a bad way. That just doesn't ever work out well financially for me. So, I was like, fuck it. I'm taking a break. And I just put my pen down. I just like, I'm not going to write. Oh, really? Nothing. I've had like two jokes pop into my head recently and that's about it. And I've been like, you get out. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tempt me. You're no <laughs> son of mine. <laughs> Get out, you disgusting. Uh, yeah, I just, um, uh, yeah, no, I've just been like All right. hanging out. I wrote a little bit for The Age and, and Lockdown and stuff. And I, I actually ended up writing. I had my most successful comedy festival ever financially, 2020, by not doing a show and writing one article for The Age right before the festival got cancelled. Like, it was a comedy festival article about, like, surrealist comedy. Mm. And then, like, I got paid from that. And it was like, this is the best festival I've ever had Just <laughs> financially. <making> a- <laughs> Where are we partying, guys? <laughs> Kids, we're going to... Oh, not we're Disneyland. not partying at all. We're all at home <laughs> for the next year. Um, yeah, so that's okay. So, so I've, I've done none. I've been writing other stuff. I've been writing away. At yeah, I was going to say. So you've been letting that out, that yeah. urge, mm. that little artisanal bit. urge somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. yeah, I've been bouncing ideas with like other comedian friends and mm. stuff, and you know, like that's always fun. I like that collaboration yeah. of seeing what comes out. And I mean, like the, the funny thing about something like that, it's 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 a time saver. It's efficient use of. Let's say like this situation right now where there's not many gigs or whatever going on. Yeah. That's for those initial jokes, if you just got someone to bounce off so you can like flesh it out a little bit. Yeah, and it's also magic. like they're, if there's someone who whose comedy brain you respect respect or love or whatever. Or even if you hate everything they've ever written, right? Like even if you do, like even if there's someone who you're like, I would never want to do what you do, you can see a different take on it. Yeah. And you can see like, you know, because when you go in front of an audience, you're gonna have a million different people, you know, I don't know about your gigs. My gigs always have a million different people at them. That's why I'm so successful. Yeah, that's um, my problem with the Comedy Festival. It's too financially it's too successful. Small. It's too small for me. There's no yeah, venues. There's no venue. I didn't realize in the analogy, you were, you were the Pandora and everyone else yeah. is the artisanal. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was talking about. There's one little prick that's taking that $1. That's my problem with the Comedy Festival is all these little pricks in my fucking doorway. Yeah. Get your little card table out of here, garbage jeweler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I've been I've been like bouncing ideas off pe- other people yeah. who are writing things and just going like, oh yeah, no, I do this, and then they go, oh yeah, that's heaps good, or and then they go, you're the best, Luke. Like, I'm so glad we're friends, and like I value you so much. Um, no, they tend to go that that is shit, um, but I've have thought of this other thing that's better, and I go, cool, yeah. It's uh, always a, it, there's an ego letting go of. I think when shopping around, where you like, look when you when you're giving material and oh, people come back and they're like, yeah, no, none of it matters. It's yeah, all none of it matters. Like I, this, is how I've always thought. Like, I don't care if you like my suggestion. So chuck it in the bin. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's no, uh It's funny that uh, attitude because I still do it because you know sometimes you write cheesy stuff mm. basically, and you're like, okay, and I don't mind writing cheesy like as it's yeah. starting there. 
but you don't want to rest there. So like, I'm happy to do some stuff, some basic dating stuff. But as long as you don't like, and you can even practice that on stage and get some laughs and be like, okay, this is something. Yeah. And then, but now what am I going to do with it? That's you, actually interesting. The spoonful of sugar, I guess, in some ways. As long as you like, obviously expand beyond that and have a bit more fun and do something interesting. It's because it's you know what it is. It's because of one of those things that you're just driving in your car and you go, ha, on your own. Yeah. And then you're like, well, that was didn't take. I didn't bleed for that joke. I was on Ferrers Street in South Melbourne. Yeah, this guy needs to bleed. I need to write for it to be. Yeah. It needs to have edited several times before it's worth anything. Yeah. But you were just talking before about the difference between like, obviously how different comics approach. Because we're talking about the book, uh, what's it called? Comic Insights. Mm, Franklin Ajay. Even in, in that book where it's a bunch of interviews with comics, um, it does highlight that lots of there are different processes. Oh, yeah, yeah. My favorite bit in that is because um, it's all like older like it's comics who are big in the, the that first wave of LA that you see in I'm Dying Up Here that TV show like all those sort of Jay Leno Letterman those kind of mm. that era through to early 90s I guess is the comics being interviewed yeah but um he talks to Jay Leno in it and he says in his little introduction he says I had trouble getting Jay Leno to do this because he didn't think he had anything to offer because he's just really, but but he's not an artist. He just is a technician. He's like Jay Leno's from a, a background as a mechanic, and he just works in that real workmanlike way. He just like just write the jokes and you just say them. That's it. And a giant's like, no, but that's a completely valid. Like someone out there will be wanting to work in that way, and they'll read everyone else and think their way's wrong. So like, yeah, having that completely different approach is also completely valid. Yeah, and it's weird because uh, that sounds actually more useful to some people to hear about. Like yeah. if someone is coming up with – because, you know, some people don't write. We were just talking about that before. Some people literally just get on stage and just talk. Yeah. And that doesn't sound as useful to most people than someone who does the technique thing of sitting it's there and writing everything. It's so day. annoying when they do it really well. Isn't it? <laughs> it's like you bastard. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. it's uh, – I don't know. I'm 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 on the fence about that because there is the benefit if you did if you were good at the writing side of things. Yeah. Let's say it doesn't mean that you can gig less and get more from it. Yeah. You know I mean? So it means like you've got a bit more flexibility in your schedule in some ways. Yeah. I don't know. For me, I'm definitely a writer. I kind of yeah. When I'm up there, I can riff like off the audience energy, but in terms of the concept, it's just like conceptually. I don't know. Are you a writer or a writer downer? Which is like. The the difference is a writer would sit like in you know in what I'm in my mind a writer sits down and goes right I'm doing some writing now whereas a writer downer is just hanging out with their friend and says something funny gets a laugh and writes it down ah oh, no no writer I have right. no friends so right. yeah okay <laughs> no yeah no writer like you know, uh, concepts you've had to manufacture a whole podcast just to get people exactly. to talk to you. <laughs> The truth is coming out <laughs> finally. Oh, God. And then none of them ever talk to me again. Yeah. <laughs> Send the next day, hey, guys, want to grab a coffee? No. Um, no, so, yeah, I do the writing because I'll, I'll concept, conceptually come up with stuff and then I'll just mm. sit. And by when I say writing, I'm not like – other people do like the whole handwriting pages and pages. I'm yeah. very much a computer guy and, oh, like, right. and dot points. So, I say it's more dot points rather than word for word. Writing. Right. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm handwriting. I'm notebooks. I write like I'll write write 100 is is my thing. Write a hundred jokes and take one on stage. Yeah. Or take ten on stage. Take a very small number. Okay. Well that's uh that's that I respect that commitment to the 
to the it's just, process. Well, well no, because the, you're only throwing out shit ones, but it's just like you, you. I find the process of writing them down gets them out of my head so I don't keep coming back to them and trying to polish mm. them when That's, they're garbage. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm forever searching for the perfect method. <laughs> it's like which yeah. one suits me. Because like, you know you could I, I want to try it a few times also just like getting up and being like oh five minutes set a timer and then yeah. just talk and then at the end of it then turn around and be like oh I yeah. liked that and that that I said and then write those down. Well, that's you what I'm I mean? doing with a pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's I, I think of it as like you know diamonds are in dirt. Mm. You just got to sift through enough dirt to find the diamonds. It's just a numbers game in that regard. Like mm. you will and like you throw don't be precious. You throw your shit out and then. Like I've written that joke and I threw it out and now I am likely to be a better writer because I've written one more joke than I had a minute ago. Yeah. So like whatever I come up with next That's true as well. should yeah. be statistically more likely to be better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just hopefully the the, <laughs> over time the quality goes up. Yeah. I don't know if it's statistically. <laughs> well, Logic- uh, probably. Logically, yeah. yeah. yeah like yeah, I've done, I've done statistical yeah. studies on this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, cool. Okay. Well, uh, that's one book we've mentioned. That's a book. We should, oh, we should, yeah. We're here we to should, talk about books. We are here to talk about books, but you should want to even talk about like a bit more of your background as well because you're like, uh, just to get people a frame of who is Luke Landon before we go into this as well. Sum it up in two seconds since you <laughs> haven't done this before. Um, you in are, two seconds. In two seconds, you're, 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 you've got kids. I am Luke Landon. <laughs> <laughs> Huge. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a divorced dad, a rapidly weathering amateur stand-up comedian uh with with nothing to offer really uh yeah. uh yeah i'm um i'm i don't know i'm pretty dope i like my <laughs> life my <laughs> life's cool i just you, like you like you live with the kids the kids are... i know i have them on weekends and stuff right. and um they're the best and like i'm just yeah i just hang out and do my thing yeah i've been doing a lot of yoga lately ah. I'm in, into yoga um Love a bit of yoga. Yeah, that's it, really. I try to be healthy. Yeah. And then I have Maccas. I'm 39. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's me in two seconds. That's you in two or seconds. Or more. Did yeah. you? Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll unpack the rest as we go. All right. Yeah. So, your book of choice for today is? Uh, it is The Razor's Edge by Somerset Maugham. It's, the, the, it was, it's a 1944 novel. I don't know if anyone can hear the flicking of the pages there, but those are the pages of Luke's Original book that you bought when you first read it. I did. It's held together with sticky tape. Uh, I bought this probably about 17 years ago. Solid. Still smells good. Still has that secondhand bookshop smell. Not bad. Got in pencil on the on the title page or the the little uh, the first page uh, before the title page. It's got eight dollars written in pencil. Bargain. 17 years of reading. Yeah, and eight bucks. So you got it. That's the first time you read it was 17 years ago? Yeah, I, I can remember. I remember being, I remember exactly where I was when I was reading it. I was in this uh, the cafe, the fish shop cafe on King Street in Newtown, which was like this kind of weird little uh, halfway home for for weirdos. Like, and I was one of them. I used to sit there and think deep thoughts and smoke cigarettes and, and like write poetry and all that sort of shit. I was 22 and that was my angle i worked i didn't know no. how to talk to girls so i'd like look mysterious and then they'd talk to me basically <laughs> did that work yeah it did all right um, nice and the cafe <laughs> used to feed me for free basically and where, like, where, where's newtown newtown's in sydney it's like the inner west it's kind of the oh, that fi- one you're the talking Fitzroy. about yeah yeah you're talking about newtown yeah. that's newtown is that where you're from yeah oh i'm from sydney originally yeah 
And so you grew up actually in the city? No, I grew up out west, but I moved in there. You moved in there I 22. started working in there when I was like, I don't know, 16, 17. Right. So you just embraced it after that? And yeah, it was home. Fully. I was home once I started working there. I was like, yep, yeah, this is it. And it was like one of those old Newtown businesses that was like, it was very 90s uh, still. And it was like a bit of a throwback. There was like faded fabric. There was a guy who who sold heroin at the cafe, like he just, he didn't work there. He just like, he was one of the regulars and he would sit there and sell heroin, which is so 90s. Um, <laughs> he was cool. So 90s. He was, he was lovely. <laughs> this thing, it was like this weird little. Not like now with your wickers and your social media apps to get drugs back yeah. then. You just sat at a cafe. Yeah. It was lovely. You know, well, I, yeah, I had my first Valium there, um, just hanging out and, and Kat, the, one of the staff there just went, here, have this. She was like everyone's mum. She was like this bossy fed up mum of the of the cafe she wasn't a mum but mm. she was like that sort of character and uh, anyway so yeah i got high there on valium for the first time nice. but um uh, so reading this book well firstly like before we go any further so people can yeah. understand but to, so to summarize quickly from what i read as well it seems like it's just a guy who left world war one um and basically didn't want to go into a regular life even though he had a lot of pressure to do that it seems like so but instead he wanted to go and just suss shit out. Yeah. Figure out what's going on. And then it compares his life to the friends around him who kind of did more cho- choose the regular path. Yeah. Is that a good summary? Well, yeah, they compare his life to theirs more so. But it, it's – so Morm – Obviously, the author compares it. Yeah. But yeah. Morm was a novelist and playwright, right? He was like the – I'm just trying to think of what the equivalent was. He was the sort of guy who would have like seven plays running at one time in London. Like he was – All right. A hugely populist author. Um, like he was not a high art kind of, he was just like, like Jane Austen was, you know, and Dickens were just populist mm. as fuck. And they just rolled into the canon now and we think of them as being really highfalutin, but like, you know, Dickens was writing s- serial chapters in magazines. Yeah. Um, so it, he was that kind of author and he wrote some some great books like, um, you know, Moon and Sixpence, Cakes and Ale is probably his one that he's best known for. Um, but uh, this novel is not a novel. Like in the beginning he says this isn't really a novel. This is a recounting of someone I met. And so Morm is a character in the novel. Uh, this seems to be a weird thing. I love novels where the – author is a character it's, it's such a niche it's, it's really i just <laughs> I, ju- I just well i just love what they're just going yeah i exist no i'm not an omniscient third person that's in the sky observing people like yeah viewpoint exists yeah. you know is, is i like that acknowledgement weirdly i first i was reading this the reason i was saying i was at the cafe reading it, i was reading it and i'm going you know and i'd put in like eight hours at this cafe just reading a day and um I was like, this is weirdly familiar. I'm reading into it. And the first bit is preamble where he's saying, like, this isn't a novel necessarily. I haven't written, you know, I've not attempted to write the characters in American idioms because I'm an Englishman and blah, blah, blah. There's all that sort of stuff. And then he gets into the meat of the, the story and this young guy goes off to World War One, and he's like lower upper middle class, if you know what I mean. Like everyone around him is in business and finance and stuff and he's – an orphan with a, a small inheritance, basically. Mm. And he comes back from war and wants to loaf 
and wants to go to Paris and just loaf. And I, I'm reading that and I'm just like, fuck, I know this story. I know this because I'd seen there was a movie adaptation. All right. Okay. Like a beige, uh, Bill Murray in his first kind of dramatic role. He made Ghostbusters 2 on the proviso that they would make this movie, that he would be allowed to make this movie. It's uh and how did it go as a movie? It was it was okay. It was yeah. just like a period drama. It's so interesting that he because he's so so such a, such a comedian mm. based person for to do something like. But that. it is like you can see why in the character of Larry, like the main character, is essentially when he says he wants to loaf and go to Paris and you know hang out with the artists and stuff. You know his love interest Daisy. She's his fiance, and she's like, but you know you must work. You know, we're going to build America and all this stuff. And it's a very exciting time to be an American. We're the richest country in the world and, you know, a man should work and blah, blah, blah. Um, what a whiner. Um, but she... Uh, <laughs> nag, nag, nag. No, um, but Larry's affected by, you know, the death he's seen and taken part in, in in the war. He's, you know, obviously got what was now PTSD and would have been referred to as shell shock mm. after that. But it never really gets said in this but what he actually means when he says loafing is he goes on his massive quest for wisdom. Like he's reading philosophical texts and, um, you know, and he goes and then when he's finished reading for a while, he'll go and work in a coal mine just to see, just to see if it clears his mind. And So it's, it's one of those like fi- not finding yourself, but like someone searching for a greater truth sort of. Stories, yeah, I guess. it's embarrassing to say it's one of my favorite yeah, books. I was going to say <laughs> I've reread it. I've reread it like pretty much every year for the last seventeen, and um, I've listened what? to audiobook <laughs> versions of it, and it's just like so. You know, this is why I'm at yoga. So I'm with you, but uh, so but the point is, firstly, it's yes, so 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 white boy. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's, so it's like the it's like you the the characters you identify with, and I'm like I'm like Larry, I'm like Larry. I've seen All some shit nagging me. I've seen some shit. <laughs> Bitches be nagging. Gonna read some philosophy. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're the worst. I want to go to Paris so. and hang out with painters. Yeah, and uh, yeah. But I there, just are, there is. Find myself. Look, it's it's basically it's a relationship drama. If it was funnier, there would it would be a rom com. But it's more of a relationship tragedy because there's like, oh, so there is a relationship that we. There's Larry. The story. There's Larry doing that, and then Daisy, right? She realizes he's not gonna because he, after a year, she says, "Fine, go and loaf for a year." And then after a year, he's like, "Oh, I don't think I'm done." Like he's a bit. It's a bit of a dick move. <laughs> Again, relatable for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd just like to apologize to anyone I've ever dated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, um, and he's like, I'm, I'm so close, and, and she's like. <laughs> this is getting funny. Yeah. I'm a, really a, close, babe. Yeah, just yeah. let me kick back a bit longer. Classic fuckboy move. And uh, I don't want to work, man. Um, yeah. But he's so like, good. and she's like, but we could have a great life if you worked. And he's like, but I can have a great life without work. And he's like, I've got a, a, an inheritance that's big enough for me to live a really modest life. He's like, you know, we'll have wine every night. It'll just be the cheap shit. Like, yeah. it'll just be table wine. And we'll get to hang out with all these interesting people. And she's like, oh, no. She wants to have, you know, high tea and shit and have people over to dinner. And, you know, society, they move for the seasons, uh, yeah. that sort of shit. Um, anyway, she realizes Larry, as much as she loves him, he's not on the same path as her. So, she goes and marries 
this other guy who's like Larry's best mate, basically. They've all grown up together. And he's a lovely guy. Um, her, yeah, her, yeah, she's marrying for the life that she can be provided with, really. Like, Gray, her husband, is a nice guy. She's not in love with him, but, like, he's nice. He's a good dad. He, mm. like, you know, they're rich. Until, like, the, the fucking crash, the Wall Street crash happens. That's in there. And then there's, like, yeah. uh, another friend of theirs who's this kind of smart, arty type girl who she marries and is smitten and then they re-meet her in Paris where she's like I believe one of the words they use is slatternly uh, you know she's that word doesn't get we've got to bring yeah. that word back she's henned her hair <laughs> she's henned her hair and she's got coal around her eyes and like so she's heartbroken her husband and child died in mm. a car accident and so she's just she became a drunk and her family shipped her off to Europe they were like go be a drunken whore over there and so they that's meet- what they all are there yeah <laughs> Paris yeah that's Paris <laughs> where you belong yeah um and so and but Larry kind of sees the goodness in her and and but yeah there's a whole you know he's there's a whole uh, love quadrangle, I guess, mm. going on in there as well. And then there's Morm, and then there's an old foppish guy who's the the. What's really interesting in it is Morm was uh, what I believe sociologists call a gayman, uh, and um, he was he was a he was a, a, a you know a gay man who's living a very public life, but mm. like you had to sort of it was all a bit euphemistic then, I guess. He was yeah, completely yeah, yeah. and. One of the other main characters, that Isabel's uncle, is how Morm comes to meet all these people, and he's this ridiculous American who pretends to be an Englishman, basically, who's also very clearly it's, a stand-in. Well, well he, probably, he very clearly is. They just don't mention it. No, no, he's talking about these are people I know because Morm is a character in all yeah. this. You know, he's only recounting what the bits he saw, really, and conversations oh, really? he had and stuff. Oh, so he's that much involved in it? Yeah, yeah, he's he's hugely involved. It's like so then I went to Larry. Boston and 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 then I I you know I bumped into Larry at a blah blah. You know, it's kind of all oh, right. They got it. Yeah, yeah. Like it is really interesting to see. You know, I like I've worked in hairdressing for years, right? So I've always been in what would, I guess, traditionally be considered a gay space or and I've always been hung out in those kind of scenes in Sydney and Melbourne and stuff and it's not really a... There's no novelty to that for me. Mm. And I love when people go, oh, the bloody gays are taking over and trying to... And, like, they get upset at representation. And then you look at something like this and, like, no one's visiting a glory hole but two of the main characters are gay men. Like, it's kind of... Like it's but very it's clearly actually, there if it, you have half a brain. Yeah, yeah. To like you know, it's like you know, you've read the gate great Gatsby, I imagine. Like the the gay subtext in that is massive. Like, you know, Caraway is clearly in love with Gatsby and he literally fucks the, the elevator boy in a scene. Oh, okay. Well that's that people subtext. Completely miss. There's like a little they make eyes at each other in an elevator when they go into the city yeah. and get drunk and the the puppy, you know, they buy the puppy and stuff. Anyway, they're in the elevator and Caraway and the elevator guy kind of go like, you know, going down or some you know, there's some sort of little and then Caraway wakes up in his underpants and leaves that guy's house. And it's like a blink and you miss it moment. But it's like Great Gatsby is a gay text. Oh, right, okay. I didn't even know that was in there, but that's, yeah. uh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's like, well, because it's left out of the movie versions and stuff. But he's clearly like, 
horny for Gatsby. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty clear. Yeah. yeah. That's a classic thing. Okay. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Yeah, yeah so oh, I, I didn't realize the... So you, the it, it's interesting that subtext. So the, even though the author is, and mm-hmm. he makes the uncle is, I guess, yeah. but Larry himself is obviously in this... Which at the time you want to make a story which involves romance mm. and have it publicly, I guess, consumed back then. You yeah, want to do it like that. But is um, is the, because he's the author, Mom's the author. Yeah, is the journey of Larry in some way, even though he's straight in the book, mm. is that idea of not fitting into society and not wanting to go by the same norms as someone else? Could you read that in some way subtextually? Or I think you could way? probably look at it and go that would. Let's say Mom states. This is a recounting of people I actually met. These are conversations as close as I can remember them. I didn't write them down at the time, but this is how it happened, right? And he's like, this isn't really a novel, but I'd have to tell you about this person I met. I think it would be fair to say that outsider element would be a uh, certainly a draw for Morm to talk about him. Mm. Like, I don't know, like he would be, oh, I feel that outsiderness even though he's you know a celebrated author and you know he's he was the toast of the town essentially mm. um well english in 1944 mm. uh like turing saved the country yeah he was getting castrated for the same stuff so. yeah totally and you're not allowed to you, you know you're not allowed to talk about that so i think there's definitely that um there would be a relating to the outsider aspect of mm. it yeah yeah and no, i'm just trying to yeah because interesting because like you, you you feel this parallel obviously with larry yeah, when you read it, in yeah. fact, this is one of the easier ones I can say to draw. Oh no! It's like, what, does, what does this story say about you? It's basically your whole attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moody, this sitting in a cafe very... reading a book. Yeah, it's like, perfect when I was doing it. I was like, I'm doing this book. Yeah. I'm like, that's that's Larry. But he's 22, and it's all full of <laughs> coolness. But yeah, this is my catcher in the rye. After yeah. catcher in the rye was my catcher in the rye. But like, no, this like I relate to heaps of the characters within it as well. Like. You know, Morm sits outside of things and he's like an observer. I think that's, uh, I think we've all felt that at some stage, but I certainly, that's something I relate to. Um, the, actually, Elliot, the older, the American older guy who's pretending to, so he's basically, he was an art dealer, which is considered crass in society. Uh, and so it's always a bit hush hush. And he never talks about how he made his money and stuff. And then he starts talking about being descended from account and blah, 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 all this stuff like that. So Elliot's like trying to give himself the credentials of the European blue blood yeah. Um, throughout the whole book. And he's this kind of hilariously tragic 
figure who just wants to be popular, basically, that's all. And I, I totally get the... We all have that thing of, like, wanting to be seen a certain way, and Elliot is that cranked to 100. Mm. Uh, we all have that, whether we're just, it's just for a minute at a party where you want to be seen as like, mm, yes, I am very, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we all have that. Yeah. Elliot is like a fucking caricature of that. Right. Uh, and I, I find it hilarious because it's like, of course I can relate to that. You know, I want to be, I'm here talking about books. What a wanker. <laughs> books are for wankers, uh, so, listeners. Yeah. That's, that's what you need to know for this. Um, that's, 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 yeah, very, like, yeah you, you do draw from more than just one character with something like that and obviously that hit a lot of notes um, the other part of it I guess uh, well, was two other elements which seemed to pop out to me one mm. is the uh, Larry seems to tr- travel to journey around yeah. and stuff like that see new locations new people because like, mm. he goes to Paris but he also seems to just he tramps throughout the Germany. Europe, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he, he lives in India for a long time. Oh, yeah, in India, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is where he gets his self-realization yeah. about stuff. I guess, is that, did that an appeal to you as well? Like, is that something which you did yeah. much or not really? Or? I, no, I always wanted to, but I, I come from a family uh, without passports, basically. So, I've, I've traveled overseas twice in my life. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm horrendously untraveled. But oh, neither really? of my parents, um, they had that classic Aussie thing of going, why would you want to see the world when you haven't even seen all of Australia yet? But it's like they also didn't bother to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Just not <laughs> not deeply That's curious, classic, yeah. the Leonard's. Like we're more yeah. of a, you know, my family's more of a, you know, Fiji and Bali kind of oh, no. kind of <laughs> family. But I'm like I'm I've only been to like Japan and New York. I planned to go and go to Philadelphia just to do the Rocky Steps for yeah. a day, and I didn't because I had a hangover. So yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Oh, really? So you've only so that, that, that's it, and, you know, and like, yeah, is that because uh, life got in the way, or pretty much? Yeah, like I, um, I think coming from a family without passports, like you know, um, like you obviously, you know, being from a Greek background, knew people who had travelled. Essentially, and I assume you probably would have. Did you ever go home, like to Greece, for to meet extended family stuff? So much, yeah, all the, all the time. Yeah. So in my family, we didn't have any of that. We had family three hours away, and we didn't go and see them. Like I, I literally, you could be my cousin, and I would have no idea. I don't know what they look like or anything. I've no. All oh, right. Yeah. Um. And so, I think coming from that background, it just never occurs to you as a. As a thing that people do, right? Uh, there's a bit of that in there. So, like, mm. and I come from uh, I come from very humble beginnings. Uh, you know, we're yeah. we're not a we're certainly not a well-off family. Um, mm. And there was a lot of sort of there was a fair bit of trouble, sort of in my teens and stuff. There was a lot of you know big things going on, and so I just never really, um, I never really. Uh, even considered it as a an option. It was always like, you know, the Maslow hierarchy of needs, you know, that mm. the, the pyramid. I was never far up enough to think about holidays. And I've like literally it's only in the last ten years that I even thought of like holiday pay, you can use that to take holidays while you keep the job rather than like, you know, you get burnt out and you need a holiday. I would get burnt out and go fuck this place. I've got I've got four weeks holiday pay. I quit. Yeah. That's long enough to find a new job, and I would just like go through periods of of bohemia, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a, that is a very interesting, different outlook. Because like, I guess 
I was about to say, oh, you're a different time, but really, you're only a few years older than me. So, yeah, like, no. As in, the, the opportunities were there to kind of travel, and a lot of people do talk about how it's not actually that expensive to I travel. I remember being like um, 20, 21, maybe, and my girlfriend at the time was like significantly older, um, and she had traveled all over Europe and stuff. And she was like, you can get a around the world ticket, and I think they were about 1500 bucks at the mm. time, which seemed like a astronomical amount of money. Like, I moved out of home at 18 without a job like my home just didn't exist anymore my parents retired and moved away and um so like $1,500 was like fucking whoa huge amount she's like yeah but dude you can this is an indication of when it was you go to the travel agent yeah you book it uh and then you just say I want to go to these countries around the world trip uh you know you get seven stops or whatever or Mm. I want to go to these countries. Uh, the dates are open and you can just pay it off. So you can just lay by your round the world ticket. And we were doing that, but then we had like, we used to break up fortnightly, okay. basically. Uh, we lived together. So that was always good. Hmm. But um, yeah, and that was like, yeah, that was a horse that bolted a little bit. Like I was like, oh, that would have been a great big adventure before I had, now I've got children. I'm never going anywhere. I was going to say that was going to be <laughs> that was going to be part of my next uh, kind of uh, thing I was going to ask about because obviously yes so the the, the journey travel stuff it appealed to you in one sense but in another sense not enough to like you had life that got in the way in in certain yeah ways. yeah um, but obviously the other big part of it which appealed is sounds like the philo- philosophy side of stuff the yeah that yeah. attitude stuff which yeah. sounds like you've <laughs> very much enjoyed and you were reading a ton of. Um, was, so, at the time, were you reading a lot of philosophy? Like, is that what it appealed to you then? Or no, was just- I was more reading about people who read about philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> this is my jam. It's yeah, like, yeah. I was like, I don't want to guy. do the work. <laughs> I'm happy to read about someone doing the work. <laughs> and then be like, I, feel, I relate to this guy. <laughs> I think I, th- I think anyone in their early 20s, you know, I'm just going to make a bold. I was about to say, this sounds a, like it's not going to be a anyone. bold hot take statement. But I think anyone in their early 20s who is like actually able to work on themselves in that kind of holistic, philosophical, spiritual, you know, psychological way, anyone who's actually able to do that stuff in their 20s either has had a pretty good run. Yeah. Or isn't really doing it because <laughs> you in your twenties you don't know shit. You're a fucking idiot. Like it's and it's not that's not a reflection on anyone's intelligence. You can be a genius, and you're 24. You're a dumb cunt. Like it's just <laughs> and it's just because you haven't gone around the block enough times. Yeah, you know yeah. and and yeah. So I I I had a lot of shit to unpack that's only sort of happened in my 30s really uh which you know travel probably would have helped but i also probably would have like i don't know hung out with a german dude with dreadlocks and who needs that like (laughs) do you know what i mean you've got enough to regret already (laughs) like backpackers are horrendous (laughs) look i'm getting a mixed signals on your journey theories uh i do plan to travel as i get older yeah yeah uh, i think because like i had my kids young for most people like 10 and 8 okay so i was a dad in my 20s like at the very tail end but but i got out of the way not out of the way but like that sounds (laughs) bad i just i was like i just want to be i don't want to be an old fuck chasing kids around or like I want to be able to just hang out with my kids as adults yeah. and, and have them be cool. Yeah. 
and stuff. So I, I'm like closer to that. But yeah, I do I do dream of a Larry Darrell like trip though, like just going off on my own, just going, hey guys, I'll be like what maybe six months or something. I'll call sometimes and just go off. I, I'm love solitude, love it, and mm. love wandering about on my own and people watching. So it's. I wouldn't want to do it like with a bunch of people. <laughs> no, no, it's delightful. I've, I, I'm just preaching the choir there. But it's just interesting because like a lot of what it seems, <laughs> your life has put you in a very different direction to the book that you read and aspired to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, I don't know if I... like. it's a beautiful thing. And like, but, in, it's, not, it's not bad. I read heaps of books though. Like I didn't like... I what I'm saying is... can't do one. all of them. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. you know, like Confederacy of Dunces is one of my favorite books, but I don't want to be a, a gaseous masturbating well I am both of those things but <laughs> I don't want to study medieval literature is what I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no I just like n- no philosophy I don't want to live in I don't want to live in New Orleans so I don't, yeah. like you know like it's it's not no, like no, I, no. I was like oh I want to do that but it is there's something really um, key in Larry's attitude to life that I've always taken on which is like just seeking out and not not seeking comfort so much as seeking the idea that objective truth doesn't exist, but you should seek it nonetheless. Kind of that that thing of just going like the inward journey and the the trying to understand yourself. I've always gone to that and gone, yep, yeah, cool. That's the, that's my jam. That's the journey I'm on. That's like I'm I don't shy away if i find something i'm crap at i just run headlong at it i'm like oh cool that's that's a growth opportunity i'm going to run at that and like even if it's something nonsense that makes is of no consequence I'm like i want to explore it because it's more about exploring your discomfort the big like my big philosophy of late in the last couple of years has been nothing happens nothing happens uh and it's <laughs> It's like, um, I can't remember what it's from. Oh, you know what it's from? It's actually from a bit of stand-up. It's from a Steve Hughes bit where he says something. It's, he's doing some edgelord shit about being, you know, people being offended. And someone goes, I'm offended. And he goes, so? Be offended. Nothing happens. And it's like, oh, fuck. Nothing happens. Like, I know, fuck up. <laughs> fuck something up. Some people offended can... Yeah, yeah. Elect people who are pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's true, but but that no, but they're not intrinsically linked. That's something they did as well as being offended. But it, it, like, as in, get uncomfortable. Mm. Nothing happens. You're not going to die. We're in the first world here. Like, take a risk. Nothing happens. Like, mm. eat something you haven't eaten before. You're not going to die. It's like it's more that sort of freedom in just going. Well, don't overthink it. Yeah, don't, don't over. It's not going to have any major consequence. I'm a white man in Australia. <laughs> like a gr- I'm fine. A grossly uneducated one. Like I've got zero education, but I'm still white. So people assume I have and mm. they don't and you check. Wear glasses. That yeah, I have glasses. So I'm allowed to take whatever I like from the self-serve checkout. <laughs> walk out with chickens. <laughs> walk out with whole boxes of Ferrero Rocher. Look, uh, the, the, the part of me that's read the Communist Manifesto agrees with you. That's self serve <laughs> checkout that we're obligated to take some. Um, one last thing before we finish. Yeah. Because I know you get a good off. Uh, the, the fact that the philosophy in the book 
uh, eventually ended up at the Eastern tradition. Mm. Um, and in fact, the whole thing in general. Yeah. I find it interesting uh, because, and I've found out a little bit more about you and your how you've come to that, but like the fact that it's easier to look at that sort of – I always think this is so true, mm. but I always think it's so much easier to look at this philosophy stuff about a higher learning and about letting stuff go and achieving that stuff. Mm. And I always think how much is the person writing this not writing it from the perspective of having kids? <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. Like how much does that influence any? You might be trying to be so, which you, and that's why I'm so interested. If you have found appeal in that, but then having kids, that completely reframes all of that stuff forever. Because uh, your dumb shit genes and the protection of that kid means that you know what, I can't. No, I think it doubles things. doubles you down on it in some ways. Like you kind of like, like I really go with my kids. They get frustrated at learning stuff because they're learning shit all the time, and they're like, "Oh, I can't do it." I'm like, "Of course you can't do it." You're dog shit at it. It's the first time you've done it. Why would you be any good? Took you fucking 18 months to learn to walk and you were doing that all day, every day. Why are you going to be good at this the first time you do it? Go. Fuck it up again. Keep fucking it up until you get it right. Like, it's not a problem. Nothing happens. It's like, yeah, you're like, there's that, I think you, you know, and fuck it. Meditation is so important when you have kids. <laughs> it's so important. Um, just because they're awful at the beginning. Babies are awful. Babies are the worst. They're mm. thankless little bastards. Because they, they don't do any tricks yet when they're little. They just want, you know, tits. They want shit wiped off them. They want to be slapped on the butt a bit. You know, like they just want like, they just want, 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 want. Yeah. And they don't let you sleep. Just take, take, take. They destroy your, your, you know, your relationship. They destroy all your relationships. They destroy your entire sense of self. Because think, here's the thing: people don't think about with kids. If you are at a party, so let's say it's a cocktail party, we'll give you some credit. It'll be a fancy party, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone asks you about yourself, right? The things you would use to define yourself in that short, you know, cliff note setting are all verbs. They're things you do. They're your job, they're activities you take part in, they're books you read, interests, all that shit. You can't do any of those fucking things when you have a baby. <laughs> You're not allowed. <laughs> You're not allowed to do any of those. And so you, the you that you think of as you ceases to exist. You're completely gone. Wow. Because you can't read books. Even if you had time, you haven't got the brain capacity because you haven't slept in weeks. Like I'm talking the very early yeah. stages of baby. There's a complete deconstruction of your of your personality, your persona. At that stage. So, like, that falls into this. He's, he's all about, you know, that's a very Eastern kind of philosophical you lose, you, you, you thought. You away everything. When you strip away everything. I had right. a period about seven years ago where everything you could use to define my life fell away. I had, like, everything all collapse all at once. And I was like, oh. In this weird little silence and just went, what, what's, what's left? What am I going to put in this? I had I was an empty Tupperware tub and I was like, I can put anything into this now. Like, what am I going to put in? What sort of person am I? What are, Like, all the things. Like, I wasn't, I was no longer married. I didn't live in a certain place. I didn't, you know, have certain things. My mother had died. I had all this stuff all happen at once. And I was like, what are you going to put in it? Because it's all empty. All those dinner party defining characteristics gone again. And that's all in there. That's all in this book. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's that's all Eastern philosophy stuff is like, what is it? What, who are you? Mm. And like, do you even exist? Or are you just a collection of fucking verbs? 
collection of activities you take part in. I mean, you can never be anything more than that, but at the same time, mm. because it represents like that's that's you existing. <laughs> you can't yeah. help but verb. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we're verbing you, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Verbing verbally. <laughs> Verbing, great. Um, that's very funny. Uh, the, do, do, what were you? Uh, well, the, a collection of verbs. And then when it's stripped like, away, but it's like stripped you. away. It's like, well, what, are, what are the new verbs going to be? Yeah, there's nothing there. Yeah. There's nothing there. There's nothing there, right? It's like, it's, that's what I mean by your verbs. I don't think, I don't know. Like, I could be wrong. And like, I'm sure there's people smarter than me who've done a lot more thinking on this stuff but like as best i can tell there's nothing there you just meet and like one day you're going to be broken meat and it's over and that's it and so like just you just fucking get on with it but like but it was sort of like it was more like when i moved from sydney to melbourne right i'd been a smoker and a big drinker and i was a party boy and had a great time i played in rock bands and i was cool dude i had <laughs> tattoos and shit i was a cool guy and then i got to melbourne and i was like i think i want to run and i was able to because i didn't have any of the baggage of anyone knowing me and i went and bought some white fucking running shoes and went running and it was like cuz you and you don't realize that in your day-to-day life. You go to this cafe. I'm a guy who goes to that cafe and I drink this type of coffee and I go to this tram stop and I do this. And and none of those verbs are actually intrinsic to who you are. They're just things you happen to do. So, if you do something else, if you go to a different cafe, suddenly you're the sort of guy who goes to that cafe. Mm. And like, if you buy some running shoes and go running, suddenly you're the sort of person who goes running. And you could, you could, there's a freedom in it and being able to do whatever the fuck you want at any point knowing full well that as a white man you'll never be arrested for it. <laughs> Turns out there was a theme to this podcast. Which I, <laughs> it's white privilege. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's always the subtext. Yeah. <laughs> you go go to the go to the continent. Go go to go to Asia. Yeah. Take I've their philosophy to, uh, <laughs> bring it back. and their country. Yeah. And then uh no I'm obviously I'm speaking facetiously. That's yeah. all bad. Uh but like yeah there is like just I don't know fucking nothing matters and and that's a kind of what yeah this book kind of gets to of, of 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 becoming at peace with that and then yeah having freedom after that to then pick the verbs i guess more that's it yeah less based on the pressures of other things you're picking it larry larry comes from a very set place and time and class and set of expectations and society and things that are generally received to be right like a man must work and a man must do these things and you know um and he does he just chooses a completely separate different set of verbs and I guess the last thing I would probably, this is just popped into my head now, but it's interesting because obviously he's coming from that, from a 1944 lower mm. upper middle class kind of that thing yeah. and then he's chosen to walk away from it. Could you argue you've kind of done the same thing but from a completely different place, obviously, country yeah. guy, whatever, yeah. in terms of just avoiding Kind that. of, yeah. yeah. I know it's completely- I never got into different. heroin. That was cool. Did he get into heroin? No, but like, like, like. It seems like an unnecessary. It was pretty popular. It was pretty popular where I grew up, you know. So it was like, I didn't, I didn't, um, yeah. But that same attitude. I got a passport. (laughs) I got a passport and I used it twice before it expired, uh, which it has. Yeah. yeah. Still, that's the same attitude. I I think there is. Yeah, there is a bit of that, and like I've, yeah, definitely. I'm what's known as a class migrant 
by sociologists. Like it's actually someone who's gone from one class to another, and I've I'm, you know it's generally considered an upward trend. But yeah, you know I live in a very very you know Lululemon puffer vest white middle class area. Mm. Um, I okay. never feel like them. Obviously, I have to sneer at them, but. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, you've given no indications of being similar. Yeah. To this entire podcast. <laughs> uh, okay, well, that sounds like a good way of letting go of some things and grabbing the verbs you like. Yeah, especially if you if you had that moment, especially seven years ago, where you can reflect and do it again. Mm. I mean, yeah, we've jumped around a lot, but I think we've, we've gone all over the place. Yeah. yeah, cool. Thanks so much for being on. Uh, I always ask everyone. Actually, uh, mm-hmm. has this conversation or the build up to it, I guess, made you rethink your attitudes compared to the book and? Any new connections there? Continue I that. think I think this last half of our conversation has made me go, "Oh fuck, this has had a lot more impact than you know it, than I thought." Maybe, um, and it just—it's one of those things that you, the ingredients that you put into something end up affecting the flavor, don't they? So it's like, yeah, of course, it's had a fucking impact. I've read it for seventeen years straight. Like, this is a book I read annually at least, mm. um, along with a few others, but like. Uh, this is in my sort of regular readers list, and I've just realised pages are coming out now. Um, but um, yeah, and so it has had big impact on me, I suppose. And I actually only really kind of got that in that last part of the conversation. I was like, "Oh fuck, that's gone in everything." This is this book has been, you know, a buddy throughout all of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Come so back. yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. So thanks very much for being on. Cool. Thank Cheers you for on. having me. It's been a delight. No worries. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to SansPantsPlus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's SansPantsPlus.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.